0: Day. Up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. Last verse: No guilt in, life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Hallelujah, he has won the victory. Hallelujah, you have won it all for me. Because death could not hold you. How many people know God is awesome? (laughs) I'm sorry, church, but I, I have to mess with you today because this thing we do called worship as the people of God, when we sing the songs of God, we should be interacting with the words and allowing. I mean, we just talked about. Christ dying and coming in the form of a baby and and the resurrection of God. And I wanted to start off today and say what has happened with our worship. When did worship become sort of this thing that you can kind of uh, stroll in on and hope, you know, worship has become this thing where we sort of start hoping we start feeling like God is here, isn't it? I'm just going to sip my coffee. It's okay if you're getting your I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is worship, though, throughout history has shifted. And it's shifted from the songs that, are, that have weight and theology with them and, and, and a heaviness to them to, to the point where we sing songs. And I'm just going to let you know songs. I, I hate this song. But uh, I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. Now listen, This is, I'm going to tell you something. I could sing through this whole song and I could be singing to my wife. Never mentions Jesus. In the secret, in the quiet place. In the stillness you are there. In those lonely hours I wait only for you. Because I want to know you more. I want to know you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. This is a song I imagine teenagers singing to each other. At some point, as the church of God, we have to become deep, not just in, in the time when we're in the word, but when we're singing. We need the depth of God to be our reality. The Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. For from him and through him and to him are all things. If you want to know whether or not a worship song is amazing, if you want to know if a worship song is great and fantastic and something you should be singing, here is the test. Does it glorify God or does it glorify me? Is God the center of my singing or am I the center? And I wanted to just unpack this and I wanted to do it during our worship time just to mess with people. Just a mess is that okay? look at something. he 's just messing with us, But I kept saying, how did we how do we get to where we are as a church? Well, at the end of the nineteenth century, hymns basically were not written anymore. they were re- replaced by what were called gospel songs, not gospel you know John P key, like the way we think about it, but they called them gos- gospel songs, and gospel songs were always lighter. In their doctrinal content and and there would be a refrain a chorus and some sort of common final lyric and the church moved their songs into writing about personal testimony aimed at the audience rather than praise addressed to god and that's okay it's okay to have a testimony right and even when we sing you know when i think about the lord how he saved me you know it's okay to have tell someone it's okay to have a testimony But the father of gospel music was a man named Ira Sankey and this guy was a skilled singer and a songwriter and he rose to fame as a soloist and a worship leader and he was the main worship leader for D.L. Moody's evangelistic campaigns all over America and Britain and what what Sankey started doing was he started writing music in the popular style of the music of the people uh, of the day that he was living. And so he would start off singing a solo and the church would join in as a choir. And his, his style just caught fire. And the hymn writing at some basic level died off. It just died off. And if you were to open up a hymnal, you can only find one hymn really with a date after 1940. A song called How Great Thou Art. That's the last one you can really find after 1940. But here's the irony. During the most evangelistic century of all of church history, the gospel went further than ever. The church grew more than ever, but no hymns were added to the popular music of congregational singing. Because the goal, this is not some new thing, the goal was we need to be relevant. We need to be contemporary. We need to reach out to people where they're at. And even though Ira Sankey was a contemporary person? No one sings his songs anymore. No one sing, You don't even know who the guy is. No one's singing those songs anymore. Because listen, church, when we lose the weightiness to a song, when we lose the theology of a song, we lose our ability to be enduring. Even think of the songs we sing over Christmas time. You know, these are songs with weighty. Theological depth to them. So with the rise of gospel music, there was sort of this diminished doctrinal tr- truth and it magnified our own subjective personal experience. So, so track with me. Content went down and your experience goes up. Content is going down. Our experience goes up. So you can have a song that you love to sing in church, but when you consider the lyrics, it is not an act of worship. Oh, come on, pastor. This was Sunday we were already we definitely liked the singing and stuff first. I le- I just invited a new person. What is going on? But with the emergence of these songs, listen, everyone who wrote poetry felt like they should be writing music because the new music was a personal testimony or an expression of feeling, not something doctrinal, not something weighty. And, you know, we don't want to go into that realm. And, but see, historically worship was always called to make demands on your intellect. Look at someone and say, you got to start thinking. Do you realize, church, that your cerebral worship is just as important as your emotional worship? See, this, this is biblical. We've come. How many people realize we've come? Not just. I'm not talking about us. I think we're better than most churches. I think we're better than every church. Okay, that's just me. But that's how you know I'm biased because we've been through some things together. But worship across the board is something that is more sentimental and it's about raw passion. I, did you feel them? today we never think of worship as preaching and teaching do we it's okay to be honest say no we don't we don't it's more i'm it's more about passion but see here's the history of it 50 years ago if you were if you were singing you would have what in your hand a hymnal You'd have a hymnal in your hand. And part of the reason we switched to overhead projectors was because of technology. And those are beautiful things. I don't want to be scrambling around with hymnals and all this stuff. But it was also by design because they didn't want the worshiper to be hindered. So they removed the hymnal so that you can now have freedom. Freedom. You know, you can move around. You don't need a hymnal holding you down. But when you worship, you can wave your hand and you can have freedom in the place of worship. How many people know it's good to have Freedom. So the way we've been trained is this, the first song you can really go, you could go get your coffee really on the first song because the first song is a warm up. (laughs) Who do they have on the mics? Caleb singing, I hope he does awesome. It's not yet though, so you're getting your coffee. And and you're studying the singers, you're singing the songs, you're saying, I hope Joey sings Fill Me Up. Right, Miguel? And our emotions are still working our way into feeling God. Mm, That was a good first song. And then the second song comes up, and if it's really good, mm. fill me up, God. Feel me. The tear. You might drop one tear. One tear starts to move. And if you really feel it, you might even lift one hand. If you're a little excited, you might do. You might even clap at the end of that second song. You might even throw them a a clap just to encourage them to really go deeper. Your hands up. Mm, what's he gonna do? Now, when I think about the Lord, and then you don't. I don't care who's around me. You do the double hand. You don't even have to be singing. But if you can make it to the fourth song. Where the worship has reached its crescendo. That's when the true believers. You know, that's the moment when you know you have arrived at an experience of quality worship because we've convinced ourselves that the role of worship is to elevate our emotional state of being. So we judge worship on two qualities. Number one was the singing good. The Cajun hit all the beats. Did you hear that? That's the first thing. And then the second way we judge our worship is the intensity of how we felt. That's when you go home and say, Today. Heavens opened, Lord descended tears flowing God was here the better the quality and the greater our feelings is the indicator of whether or not we worship rarely do we ever even think of the content of the songs because content is not as important as how you're feeling how do you feel about right now you don't feel good at all and I get that Doesn't mean God's not here or that it's a bad worship service. It's just how you look at someone say, it's just how we feel. Look at someone else say next Sunday, we'll get back to worshiping for real. It's so easy to believe that the rise of my own emotions is an indication of how I measure the force of God's visitation. Sing to me, Joey, stir our emotions. See, because passion divorced from the intellect is what defines many of us in terms of our concept of how and why we worship. And then here's what we say Pastor's about to preach. It's time for us to focus. It's time for me to engage my mind now because. We're going into the word. We are a word believing church. Get ready, get ready, get ready. On my mind, all of a sudden, our mind is, is concentrated on the word. Preaching, though, which used to be the centerpiece of the worship service is now something that is distinct from worship. I'm not saying in our mind, but I'm saying in a general sense, it's distinct from worship. It's something that we do in addition to our worship time so if I preach at the beginning of a service I'm messing up the flow of worship it's this is a brief intrusion to my praise and my worship and how I'm feeling right now and so we want our music and prayer and testimony but mainly music and music that stirs my emotion but when Joey steps off from the piano and begins to teach Or admonish us. It's a strange sight. But I want you to know that that Pastor Joey, the ministers of music, are not up here singing. They are giving us a theological discourse on who God is. The Bible says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord do you realize that the proper function of music is teaching and admonishing now grasp this the sermon starts way before i get up here and preach The goal of worship and music is to teach and to admonish. See, that's why it's more than just an emotional stimulant. It is the word of God being proclaimed. Both my preaching and the singing by our worship leader, they are both the proclamation of the word of God. See, when we're singing, uh, Pastor Joey and Caleb and Aida and Tiffany and Pastor Donna, when they're singing they're ministering the word see that's why pastor joey has to find a place with god he has to find a place where he has access he has to understand his word he actually needs to understand scripture better than i know it well wait that don't make no sense why? Why would he need to understand and be in the word better than you? You're the pastor and you preach from the word because the words that I say are remembered shortly. Most of you all forget. You might remember one thing. When you go home today, you might just say, oh, well, he preached at the beginning of the service. I don't know. They're remembered for such a short amount of time. But the words that Pastor Joey sings... Stay in your heart. And when you're on your job and everything is going crazy and when you're at home and your life isn't in order and and you don't say, Pastor said, told me this and that about my scene. No, you just sit back and you're in the moment of the worst. And you say, Hallelujah. It doesn't seem like it, Lord, but you have won the victory. See, sometimes a song will get you through. All these people, they say this and that, but hallelujah, you have won. See, all because you know a few chords on the piano does not qualify you to rightly divide the word of truth. But if you are a worship leader, you must have a love of theology. And a life filled with worship and adoration to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, the leading Old Testament musicians in First Chronicles chapter 15 verse 19 were three guys. Heman, Haman, Heman, whatever. Asaph and Ethan. Three guys. The leading worshipers, 1 Chronicles 15, 19. These individuals were Levitical priests. They were men who devoted their life to the service of God. Men trained in the scriptures and in handling the word of God. Do you realize that these three individuals are listed as authors of the Psalms? Authors of our scripture? Asaph is the one who said, oh, by the way, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Have you read Psalm 78? It's a history lesson of all of israel and what happened when the people fell away from god and moses and the deliverance of god it's a scriptural diatribe about the magnitude and who god is psalm 73 is might be my favorite psalm in all of the bible one of these guys wrote it he was like "Ah, my feet had almost slipped I almost stumbled. I was envious of the boastful and proud of those people who are so wealthy, the prosperity of the wicked. But in verse 16 of Psalm 73, he says, it was all too painful for me to think about until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. The musicians wrote that. The musicians wrote that. Leonard Payton points this out. Listen, church. He says in first Kings 431, listen to this verse. This is so important. First Kings 431, it says, Solomon was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Haman. Do you realize that if Solomon wasn't in the land, two musicians would have been the wisest people in the whole land? Solomon was, oh, he was so wise. He was wiser than these few folks. So good to have our Woodlands people joining us. He was wiser than all of these folks. Church, listen. Musicians were the teachers of the highest possible order. And listen to what I'm going to say. Levitical musicians were scattered throughout the land and they served as the teachers of Israel. The Psalms church was a textbook. And the textbook was a book of songs. See, we call Joey Pastor Joey not just because he's been in ministry for 15 years and has this resume or that resume, but we call him that because his goal is to teach and to admonish us. Here's some takeaways. First off, music. Music. It's not just an emotional experience and the same way that you consider the words of a sermon with all of your intellect you must engage the songs that we sing in worship you have to determine error and deepen your praise as the worship is happening service we are now service starts the first note that you hear worship is already there Preaching, point two, is not just an intellectual experience as well, but you can allow your emotions to be involved as well when you're sitting down listening to a sermon. You can lift up a hand. It's okay. No, if you're, it's okay. If you feel a point, you can lift up a hand. You can even stand. You can clap. You can move your feet. It's, it's, your emotions should be engaged throughout the entire service. I don't care. You can start shouting at me. I'm going to shout right back at you. It just won't matter. As long as when you stand and clap, you're not clapping for me, but you're clapping for the God who we serve. You're praising the one who gave it all and paid away and does everything for his glory and for his honor. Here's the third point. Whenever we sing, We should allow the glory of God to fill our hearts, but also to fill our minds, our minds. Last point, God is here not because I feel him. He's here because he's here. I pray for the day when we become a church that doesn't need, need to be pressed and prodded and primed and all these other things. But I pray that we walk into this place together. The people of God, which the Bible says God dwells amongst us individually and corporately. God is with us that when we walk in, it's not I'm I'm waiting to receive worship, but I am a worshiper who's gathered here today to lift my hands and to raise my voice and to use my mind in worship that I'm gathering with all of the saints throughout history. They sang songs, they danced they lifted up their hands. They kneeled down before the throne of God. They clapped their hands. And they used their mouth to tell of the wonders of God. See, whenever we gather together, church, be mindful. That we're joining in the great chorus that has sung for centuries. And we add our voice to that great choir proclaiming the glory of God. What did the catechism say? The chief end of us, of all of man, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I want those that have gathered here to worship to just close their eyes. And I want to pray over us as a church. Father, I pray that you would make Freedom Church a place of worshipers. Father, that you would transform even the way we praise. That there would be no fear in our hearts, God. But Lord, that we would gather here, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth, God, with our minds, with our hearts. And Lord, that we would understand the beauty of a psalm. Lord, that these are the things that delve into the depths of our emotions. God, but allow our minds to be absorbed with the beauty of who you are whenever we gather together in worship. Father, today, I pray that a song would raise up in our hearts as we worship you.
1: Burning, keep your lamps trimmed and burning, the time is drawing nigh. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning, keep your lamps trimmed and burning, keep your lamps trimmed and burning, trimmed and burning. the time is drawing nigh. Keep Your lights trimmed and burning Keep your lights trimmed and burning Keep your lights trimmed and burning The tide is drawing nigh Keep your lights trimmed and burning Keep your your lights trimmed we
2: No more shackles, no more chains. Come on.
0: Of the songs that uh, we sing as well. Uh, do you guys care if we just jump in on it?
2: Already said that. While you're there, you're just continuing to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Get your praise on. Get your worship on. He deserves it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Get it on. Don't don't miss your chance.
0: just raise up those lights just a little bit if it's okay we've already been messing with you enough today but we would be remiss if we didn't take an opportunity to let you know about the one we're singing about I don't know about you but my life wasn't always something great but there was a point in my life where I was lost I was dead in my sins and my trespasses But Jesus, he found me. He found me. You know, there's no way, there are no words that I can say that can awaken dead people. That is an act of God. So if he's touching your heart right now to say, come to him. That means God, this is a God moment. He says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the father. Which means Jesus is in here with us. I wanted to just take a moment with all the believing saints just praying. Is there anyone that does not know Jesus today, but you want to know, you don't know your eternal state, but today you want to meet him. I just want you to lift your hand up. If that's you today, we see you brother. Is there anyone else is there anyone else? Today is a day of salvation. This is what church. This is what it's all about. Every What are we talking about? People are getting saved every week. Is there anyone else that wants to know this Jesus? Just stretch your hand while the saints are praying for you. Well, brother, all of the all of the angels are celebrating today. We are all, man, you have no idea. You have no idea the God we serve. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Here, what we're going to do, man, we're, we're all going to pray with you. We're all going to pray with you, but man, this, God is changing the scope of your life in this moment right now. So just repeat after me. Church, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we realize that we are lost without you. But thank you that you sent your son Jesus to bear our sins on the cross and that he rose again on the third day. Father, and that if we place our trust in Jesus, we are reconciled with you. Lord, we trust you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. We repent of our sins. Thank you for grace in my life. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know, sir, you have have walked over from death into life. Somebody give God praise in this place. Somebody thank him for what he's doing. stretch those hands to the heavens. If you didn't have any reason to praise him before now, you now have one reason. Lord, it makes me Giver of life, Jesus. But we gather around your throne, Jesus. Worthy of all our praise, Jesus. But we give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. Give you the highest praise. What we give you. Let's just make this an atmosphere of worship. And praise. go deeper somebody needs to enter in
2: Yes, go ahead and give God praise for you. Yeah. Yes! He stood right here and told you that his life was not always as you see him now. Amen? And I can say the same thing. Sweet little old me was in John Adams High School selling drugs. was what nobody going to suspect me. But I didn't know what I was doing then. But God knew he had plans for my life. Amen. And I thank him for that. He saved me. If you are out here, if you're in here right now and you're 12, 13, 14 years old like I was, just because my friend told me, here, sniff this deodorant, it's going to get you high. Well, it was addicting. Stealing deodorant from the store, that is dumb. But you know that commercial, you say this is your brain and this is your brain on crack. Crack wasn't out then, but some whack was out then. I'm telling you, I should be dead. I should be dead. My brain should be. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of these students don't even know this about me, but they follow me as I follow Christ anyway. That's only God. My husband passed away not two months ago from brain cancer, but he never did what I did. I'm not saying he never sinned, but I'm saying I, I basically subjected my brain to craziness, and the Lord spared me. I'm standing before you to still speak His name, and I thank God for that. Can say is every one of us have these stories. We can go up and down these aisles. This gentleman just gave his heart to the Lord, and we celebrate you. There's others in here too who has not been as bold as him, but we celebrate. I'm going to ask our chaplain now, Stephen. And Stephen is—he he, just—I hope you don't mind me putting you out here. Stephen was—he's our chaplain, and he followed Pastor Calvin, my husband. His advice and, and he followed him as a mentor and he was just telling me the other day that he said this is what Pastor Calvin would have been doing sitting here praying for the choir just not so focused on everything else but focusing on what God wants me to focus on and so I commend him I don't just put him on no pedestal or nothing like that because that's where I was when I was a kid and everybody thought I was a cute little Tanya but I was on a pedestal and I always kept trying to jump off that thing by doing stupid stuff And so we were on the bus, and as we share on the bus and everything, I'm going to let Stephen share as much as he wants to. But when he was there, and now he's here, standing before you, following Christ and leading the choir. So so go ahead, Stephen. We're going to go right into the next song. Trust us to see him here being led by your spirit.
3: I loved fighting, I loved violence, I loved being on top of everyone. And because and, and it was because I didn't know the true love, I thought that if I do this, then I get all this respect from the people behind me. And, and, and I loved fighting and I enjoyed winning because I thought that was the love that I was getting from the people who were actually afraid of me. And I was never like this before I knew the Christ. But now I know the Christ. And recently, I actually had a dream. I had a dream of going back to that past, fighting people. And in the dream, I was out of control. And then, and then in the dream, I said, actually, this is really who I am. And, and I woke up being afraid of going back. And that morning, I opened up my Bible and I was praying, Lord, that's not who I am, right? Father, you saved me. That's not who I am, right? And God told me deep inside of my heart, saying, no, you're not. You're my child now. You are a newborn creation. And a lot of people say they we don't see miracles today, but I don't know what that is if that's not a miracle. If God has saved me, and put words in my mouth to praise Him and sing praises to Him. I don't know what that is. And all my friends, so unfortunately, a lot of them are in prison, they're incarcerated. And I go to them, this, uh, I, I, I visited them this summer, and they were so shocked. They saw the joy in my heart. They, they, they saw the love that I encounter, and I said, Jesus is the truth, guys. You don't. Know, we're reborn Christians. You don't have to live in that past anymore. So this song is actually called You Are Great. And it, it just praises God for how great He is for the miracles that He did. And I invite you today to, to ask God for the miracle so that we may be different as, as we walk out of this door than when we came in. That we'll see the miracle in us becoming more like Christ and becoming more like the reborn creation that He has called us to do. So we praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And next year, We're planning to go to South Korea because God is opening doors for our 30th anniversary tour. And honestly, I I do not know how that's going to happen, but I know God is going to open the door. And and He is opening doors already. So praise you, God. Thank you. Lord. father. Tell your
2: neighbor he's a good, good father and I'm loved by him. Yes, thank you Lord. He's good. Amen. Amen. Tell him you are, you are good and your mercy and forever. Come on.